How's everybody doing? So far, so good, yeah? Man, it's good to see everybody here. It's good to be here with all of you. And I want to say hello to everybody out there watching online. I'm so glad that you're making a choice to be with us wherever you may be. Uh, and if we haven't met, uh, my name is Andy. I'm one of the pastors. And it has been a year since I've worn this shirt, everybody. A little tight, a little tight. So we'll work through that. Uh, yeah, I'm not in the same place I was a year ago. Okay, so... Hey, if, you, if you're new or visiting, uh, I'm, we're so glad you're here. Uh, but here's what we've been doing. Uh, so in January, we started this journey together uh, where we are going through God's story in order from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and we are in week 18 this week. So believe it or not, uh, we're a third of the way through God's story already. So that's pretty, pretty amazing. We're already a third of the way through. So here's what I wanna do just for a minute. I wanna, I wanna zoom in. Uh, or, or where we are. And I wanna, I wanna zoom out actually for a minute and get us caught up. And so, so here's what we've seen so far in God's story. So far, what we've seen is that in the beginning was God, that there was nothing before him. Thank you, Benji. All right. He was, and he made everything. He created everything. He put everything into motion. Then he made the earth. He made the heavens. He made the sky, and he made all these creatures and, and animals and fish and everything, okay? And then he made us. And, and when he made us, you see, he made us uniquely different than everything else. That's what we learned. And because uh, here's what we have that nobody else has or nothing else has, that we were made in his image. Unlike anything else, we were made in his image. And he didn't make us because he was lonely. He didn't make us because he needed us or anything like that. He was in perfect harmony uh, with himself, okay? But he made us for a purpose and he gave us uh, some, some amazing things. He, he made us out of love and that we have a purpose uh, to find satisfaction and to find fulfillment in knowing him. That's, that's why he made us. And so God then appointed people uh, to be over, to rule over all the creation uh, with his wisdom and his guidance, okay? But, but here's what we find out, that we have a choice, that we have a choice right there when he gave us that direction, that, that we would have to answer a question. Would we trust God and his wisdom and his direction or will we go our own way, way and, and figure out our own and be our own God? Well, we find out the answer pretty quick to this because through the deceit of a snake that was inhabited by Satan, Adam and Eve, the first people, they decided to rebel against God. They went against God's instructions. And so this act of not trusting God put distance between us and God. It put us uh, at odds with him and it put separation between us and him. And that act right there is sin. That's what sin is. And once sin entered everybody, then it made a mess of everything. It made a mess of everything for the rest of time. And so now the world is no longer marked with love and satisfaction, but actually violence and confusion. Okay? So now the world that God made for humans to rule over, it's all messed up, and, and now we have a big problem. We have a big problem because we're under now the influence and consequence of sin, and so we need a solution. And, he, and here's what we find out. God made a solution. He gave us a solution. He makes a promise that our sin is gonna be dealt with through raising up of a human who won't have the same problems that all of us have. And so he starts this promise through this family of Abraham. And what you see is over the generations of this family line that God, uh, God's promise of salvation will ultimately land on Jesus, right? Which we find out he's not just a human, he's actually God in the flesh. And so here's what we've been learning so far in God's story, that this space in between of God's promise and Jesus are two things, which are really important for us to remember as we're in God's story right now. One, we are still a mess, 
All right, we're still a mess. No matter how much time God gives us, we will not get this right. And what we're seeing is that there is just this pattern that this is gonna happen over and over and over again of this, of people trust God. They say, hey man, we trust you. We're gonna follow you. And then they rebel against God and go their own way or chase after things that they think are gonna be better. And then they find out, oh my, that's not better. You're better, God. Uh, I'm gonna turn back to you. Uh, and then I have to face the consequence of the sin or the, the disruption that happened because of that. And God forgives. God brings us back into relationship with him. So that's one, we're still messed up. And two, that God's promise will always stand. It will always stand. That, that we, we're learning, we cannot stop his redemptive plan for humanity, no matter how much of a mess we make, okay? Uh, that, and this is huge, but here's the thing for me, as I've been studying deeper, like as we've been going through God's word and reading every day and going into this, here's what I've been, especially in the Old Testament, here's what I've been finding a deeper appreciation of. Uh, the more I'm reading in the Old Testament, the more I'm just coming to a deeper appreciation of the kind of God we have, everybody, for his love for us and his commitment to us and the covenant that he makes and, and the desire that he has to be in a relationship with us, okay? So that is pretty much the last 17 weeks, all right? That is it. Like, yes, there's a lot more that we've been talking about, but that's pretty much it. And, and so we've been doing messages in here. Uh, we've been reading every day in our reading guide. And we actually, if you didn't know, we just reloaded you out there. We're, we have the second reading guide out there. So it's picking up in week 18 this Monday. Uh, and we've been talking about this in groups. And so we've been going at this from a lot of angles. And, and so again, just if you didn't pick up that updated reading plan, go ahead and do that. Uh, and so that's where we've been. So now here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna zoom back in. We were zooming out. Let's zoom back in on the story. So here's where we are in God's story. We are at about the year 967 BC. All right, so we're several thousand years into this story and we're about a thousand years before Jesus is born. And here's where we are with God's people. They're actually in a great place that they are finding success through the kingship and leadership of a guy named David. Uh, they're having success, they're united, they're free. He's bringing in so many things and especially, and first of all, he's bringing in this amazing worship and trust of God. He's like, trust God, let's go after God, let's follow him. And so that's where we're at in the kingdom right now with David, okay? Uh, so we're gonna pick this up here in 1 Kings 2. If you have your Bibles, I don't know if I told you that, go ahead and grab those, open them up to 1 Kings chapter two. And as you're getting there to 1 Kings, too. Here's where we're at. David is coming to the end of his reign as king, the end of his life here on earth. And what he's going to do is he's going to pass the torch to Solomon, his son. He's going to give him the keys to the kingdom and his final words. This is the legacy that he's going to leave. And so we're going to be in 1 Kings 2. Uh, and let's start reading here in verse 1. It says this. It says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son, he said, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires, which is this. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Now, I've, I've, I've talked through this before, but I just I find this really neat to see that we, what we get to do is we get a peek in here uh, in a front row suite seat of what the final message is from a king to a successor. I don't know, we don't have very many of those opportunities. And what we see David here with his son is saying this, be strong, and then he's saying two things. He's saying, walk with the Lord and obey his commands. Now, I want you to think about this, okay? Think about this, what we just read. This is it. 
Like this is it. The keys of the kingdom are being passed. The kingdom was on the line, a country full of people, millions of people to lead. And this is it. This is David's final word. He goes, hey, do you want to prosper? Do you want success in this? Do you want to see everything work in the best way? Come close, come really close, Solomon. Here's what I want to tell you. There is nothing more important. There is nothing better that you could do than to focus on your relationship with your heavenly father. That's the key. That's what I'm telling you. There's nothing more important than your relationship with God. You will not fail if you stay with God and follow him. Now, if that was it, and that was all David said, and he like croaked, like, Bleh! like that was it, and I was like, that would have been a great story with a good bow on it, but this is real life, okay? Actually, that is not everything that David says. If you keep reading, he keeps going, and the rest of chapter two, it kind of reads like a mafia movie, okay? And I, I don't have time to get into it, but read it for yourself. In verses five to nine, David does this great thing, like follow God, obey his commands, and then what he does is he gives Solomon this list of people who wronged him. He's like, now, this guy, make sure he sleeps with the fishes. You know, and he's like, and he does. And then he goes, this guy, he was pretty good to me, so make sure you take care of him. Don't let this other guy see gray hair. You do, do what you think's best, Solomon. And then he dies, okay? And, and so again, it's just really, I just think it's, it's odd. And, and so then what you see Solomon do, like a mafia movie would, he offs these three guys. He just, he kills these guys. And really, why I'm bringing this up is because when you read this sort of thing, like that doesn't seem like it should line up with what God would want. And that's true. I wanna tell you, like, that is true. I don't think that's what God wanted. I, and, and what I wanna bring up is I don't think David's humanity is lost here. And I think it's there as a reminder to us that we can't be looking at David with a certain, like, aura or like, oh my gosh, he's, a, he's still, like, while we, you have to hold attention with David, the tension of this man who is after God's own heart. And then you see these final words of him and the humanity come back in, right? The, the moments and times of being completely human. And so here's what I wanna say. Sometimes when we read these things, we're gonna come across stuff that's like, that doesn't seem to line up with God. And I'm telling you, it's true. It doesn't line up with God. He's not approving of everything that's happening, but yet it still happens. And again, I just think it's there. It keeps us in the right frame of mind uh, that we are never, there is no man that you will read about that is faultless or blameless uh, except for by Christ Jesus who is in us, okay? And I think that's why that is there. So, so Solomon comes in with all this stuff, okay? And, and he has to do all these things. And he kills these guys. And here's what I think is going on. You're not gonna read this. I think this is weighing on his mind. I think this is weighing him down and, and with what he had to do to become king. And we're gonna see here in a minute uh, when he encounters God, why I think that. But, but I just think there is a weight and a burden of all this stuff. And so we're gonna jump to chapter three, jump to chapter three and let's see what happens. So now he's king and it says this in verse four. It says, now the king Solomon went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and here's what God said. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Now, if you fell asleep and you woke up and there was God, you're like, hey, and he goes, ask me for something right now and I will give it to you. What would you ask for? That's a loaded question, isn't it? Would you have an immediate answer? We'd be like, how much time do I have? Like, you know, I don't know. Like, you're not, I actually thought, of, like, this reminded me uh, of my daughter. So a few weeks ago, uh, my daughter lost her first tooth, and it was an awesome thing. But here's what I would tell you. If 
God showed up with her in that moment that her tooth was not out, she would have blown it because she would have said, just get this tooth out of me, God, because she was not pulling that thing out for anything, everybody. Like she was, that thing was dangling. Like all you had to do is breathe on it. It would have fell out, but she was not gonna pull that thing out. And she, she was like, I don't know. She was, I guess, waiting for it to flop out. And I'm like, honey, that's not how it's gonna work. You gotta, you gotta pull it out. And she was like, okay, okay. And, and so she goes, well, how about this? And I just said, let me do it. She goes, no, 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 no. Give me an apple. I'm like, that's a good idea. Okay, here's an apple. And so she proceeded to gnaw on it from every angle except for the loose tooth, everybody. I'm like, and then she goes, it's just not ready, Dad. It's just not ready. And I'm like, okay. And I just felt like this was coming. I was getting, I was warming up. Like, I just felt like she was gonna call me out like, like, a, like a coach in a bullpen. I was just like, I was getting ready. And then it happened. And she goes, okay, Dad, okay, Dad, I'm ready. And so she said, all right. And so I went to yank it. And, and I, right when I went to yank it, she goes, Wait! And I'm not kidding you. I know you think I'm making these stories up with my kids, but Courtney and Henry are my witness, okay? She started praying, and here's what she said. She went, Jesus, when you said it is finished, I believe you can do anything, so remove this from me. Uh, true story, true story. Now, I don't know if she was asking him to remove the fear or the tooth, okay? But... She goes, okay, daddy. And I just, I yanked it out. I yanked it out. She would have blown it right there if God showed up at that time, okay? What would you ask for? If God said, what you ask for, I will give it. So let's read what Solomon does here. Let's pick this up. Verse seven. It says, now, Lord, my God, this is what Solomon said. You've made your servant king in place of my father, David, but I'm only a little child. And, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. That's why I think he was really, had a burden with what he did already, Right? Your service here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. And so right here, we see Solomon give his ask. He says, God, give me wisdom. He goes, I want a discerning heart. I wanna perceive things like you perceive them, God. And I want, I want this so that, here's why he's asking, so that I can govern your people well. And so here's what Solomon asked for. He wants wisdom so he can do his job good. Can I be honest with you? Can I? That is the most boring request that I've ever read in my life, everybody. I know I'm not supposed to say that, and I know that that's not a, what a pastor should be saying. But just to say, hey, can, I, can you get me to do my job good? I would come up with way more things than that, and don't leave me hanging. You would too, okay? Like, that's not what you would ask. Oh, you're leaving me hanging? Okay, thanks a lot. But you know that you'd be driving in a gold Silverado, coming flying in here and whatever you would ask for, okay? It's boring. Come on. It's like, hey, help me do my job good. Like that, but... It's actually brilliant and humble and it was exactly right. Let's see how God responds. He says, the Lord was pleased as Solomon asked for this. So God said to him, since you've asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, Andy, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. And, and so God gives him wisdom. And what you'll read over the next several chapters is how he uh, deploys this wisdom that God gave him. And, and, and you read, and, and I kind of counted, I, I think I counted seven times. You see seven specific places where his wisdom is actually brought up, especially in chapter four. I just listed these really quick. So uh, he's described uh, in chapter uh, three, four, and five to have an authority of the beasts, birds, and trees. 
that goes back to creation, uh, that he has dominion over Israel. It says that every family under him rests in peace under Solomon. And then it said that even all the nations of the entire world come to be blessed by Solomon's wisdom. So that's what we see happen in the front of Solomon Asphorus. Now, I wanna stop here. I wanna talk about this for a second because here's, here's what I wanna know with what we just read. Is this prescriptive or is this descriptive? So now, if you, you were here a few weeks ago, we kind of talked about that. But here's what I'm getting at this. Is this something that is describing what uniquely happened to Solomon and Solomon only with God's wisdom? Or, or is this pointing us to something that we should expect to happen when it comes to having God's wisdom? And here's what I want to tell you. I believe it's both. I believe it's both. I think this is describing something specific to Solomon, but I also think this, and here's what I wanna talk about with the rest of our time. God, I believe, wants to give us wisdom. I think he wants to give us his wisdom. How do I know? How do I know? Well, here's a couple other verses I wanna go to. Here's what James says about it. He says, hey, if any of you, that sounds like me, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Here's what Solomon says in a proverb. He says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. So it sounds like I can find it. And the one who gets it understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. Here's another one. This is what Jesus said. He goes, hey, anyone who listens to my teaching and does it is wise. You could get it. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. And so here's my big idea. If you want to write this down, it's not in your notes. God is not holding back wisdom from us. That's a good thing to know anybody, right? He wants us to have it. He wants to give it to anybody who asks for it. And gang, I want to tell you, we need some wisdom. Amen, anybody? We are in a world that is full of confusion that is full of chaos, that is full of discord. And what God is telling us here right now, we gotta perk up to a little bit, is there is a wisdom he wants to give us that will cut through all of that chaos. And so, so let's just see what it looks like. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna see what this wisdom from God looks like. And so if you're in your Bibles, we're gonna jump uh, from the story. We'll pick this story back up here next week, but I wanna jump to the book of James, all right? Go to the book of James. We're gonna be in James chapter three, because in here, we're gonna find uh, the best place, I believe, to understand what wisdom is and then the indicators by which somebody is actually walking in God's wisdom. There are some signs that you could see in your own life if you are a walking in wisdom. So, so then we can determine whether wisdom, where, where it's working and where it's not. And then here's what I wanna do with the end of this. I just wanted to, all of us to come to a determination of whether or not uh, God's wisdom is worth bringing in. And I'll tell you it is, okay? If it's worth it, and we'll see it because it's a choice that we make. So James 3, all right, you get there? Everybody there, James 3. We're gonna pick this up in verse 13 and he's gonna start by asking a question. Here's what he's gonna say. Who is wise and understanding among you? So he's asking, he wants to know, like who's, who's wise? So he's talking to Christians. So it looks like there's a little bit of a difference there with there are those who are wise and those who are not. He goes, okay, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done and the humility that comes from wisdom. So, so here's where we're gonna do. If you're taking notes, go ahead and get those out. Uh, what James is, is gonna do is, is he's gonna give us two big ideas when it comes to God's wisdom. And here's the first big idea that, that he already gave us, and it's this, is that wisdom is more lived than it is learned. That wisdom is more lived than learned. And so what he's getting at is this when he asks a question. So when it comes to applying uh, and having God's wisdom in your life, it has less to do with your intelligence than it does with your disposition, all right? So, so 
you don't, here's, here's what I wanna say. So you don't have to have a certain IQ to be living out of God's wisdom. Thank you, Jesus, for that, okay? Like, I'm so grateful that I don't have to have a certain level of IQ to do that because here's what James does. He goes, hey, who's wise, right? So like, if he came here today, if he stepped up here and he said, all right, I wanna know out there, who here is wise, raise your hand. And if you were bold enough to do it, to raise your hand and go, me. Like, if you did that, here's what he would say. Prove it. And I'm gonna tell you, he's like, I'm not gonna say you're proving it by raising your hand or saying something. You're gonna prove it by how you live. That he's saying, I don't wanna know what you know. I, I wanna see what you do. It's because here's the thing, this is what he's saying. Because when you're living right, when you're doing good and when you're humble, that's when I know you have it. That's exactly what he's saying. That, that you, and here's the big point in this one, that you don't do these things to be wise, but that when you are in God's wisdom, these things are going to be happening in your life. I will just see it as a result. So it's not through something you learn. It comes as a result of living out the transformed life that you have through a saving faith in Jesus Christ. So, so it's more lived than it is learned. And then uh, the next verse that we're gonna see is gonna describe what happens when you don't have God's wisdom. So this is verse 14. He goes, okay, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic, for where you have envy and self-ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. So here's the second big idea when it comes to God's wisdom. is this, is that a lack of God's wisdom will cause problems. That a lack of God's wisdom causes problems. Now, James is kind of blunt here, but I actually appreciate it. I don't know about you. Sometimes I, I don't mind bluntness because uh, I don't, here's what I wanna say. I, I don't ever feel a burden of coming up here and having to convince you that God works, that his ways are right and that the other ways are not right. Here's why, just go try it. Just go live that out. I'll see you next Sunday, you'll be back, okay? Because it doesn't work. It, living any other way will cause disruptions, disorder, chaos and confusion. And you're like, just watch the news for five minutes, everybody. So I don't ever feel the burden of telling you that God works. Like I know he does and that he's real and then his ways go. So here's, here's what I wanna ask you in this one, okay? Because again, just please make a note. James is talking to Christians here. So there are Christians who are walking in it and Christians who are experiencing this, okay? So here's what I wanna ask you. Do you have chaos in your day-to-day? -day? Right now, do, is, do you find chaos just consistently in your day-to-day? -day? Is there a confusion going on in your home or in your marriage? Or you're, just not, you're not lining up, just a little bit of confusion going on there. Is there a consistency of just not being able to get it together, just like life seems difficult? Here's your sign. This is what, God, it's almost like a beacon that God is pointing you to say, hey man, you're off. You, this is not what my wisdom does. Like I'm just trying to point you to that. That's, that's where you are, you're off the path. But, but here's what I wanna tell you. Again, I'm talking to believers, okay? There's good news in this, there really is. And, and here's what I wanna tell you. If you're in Christ, just know this, it can absolutely change. It can absolutely change. God can, that's the beauty of being in a relationship with Jesus. Because here's what's true about you, even if you see and are experiencing some of those things that you don't want to experience. See, like, what the Bible tells us is that if you are in Christ, if any of us are in Christ, you are a new creation. That the old is gone, that, that the new has come. So what that means is you are transformed. That's who you are. That, that's what Jesus does for you. And, and here's the thing, sometimes we just forget but can I just tell you 
you can remember and God can change you. And you wanna say amen to that? He can change you if you let him. It's a choice that we have to live out of that transformation. And you gotta know that God can change us. He can change you. He wants to change you. Don't let yourself be convinced that that's just the way it's gotta be. Don't let that chaos and, and disorder that you look at say, I guess that's just what my life has to be. No, it doesn't. God can change it. Amen, anybody? He can change it. You have a God who can move mountains. He can change the chaos in your life. If you have a God who can split the sea in half, he can change the confusion in your marriage. Anybody, amen, anybody? He could do it. You can look at the chaos and you can say, look, I'm sure of this. You could just say it, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in me, come on somebody, he will complete it in the day of Christ Jesus. You can look at the disorder and you can say, you know what, I've been crucified with Christ. So now the life that I, it's no longer the life I live. It's, it's him in me, it's Jesus in me. So now the life that I live in the flesh, I'm gonna live by faith in the son of God. He can change me. God can change me. Amen, somebody? He can change. I think there are far, here's what I want. I'm getting passionate because there are far too many of us Christians who are walking in a fog of chaos and confusion where God could just lift it right up out of you if you let him, if you let his wisdom in. We need to let his wisdom in. You wanna let it in? So let's talk about it a little bit. Let's bring, and he doesn't want us to be walking in that fog. He wants us to have clear thinking and clear direction from him and he wants to give it to us. So now in the next verse, I'm sweating in this tight shirt. He's gonna help us a little bit. He's gonna help us. He's gonna give us some things. He's gonna give us some things that, so this next list, the first list is kind of like, this is what you'll see, but now he's getting practical. It's gonna help us. He's gonna say, here's some things that you just need to look at, okay? So, so he's gonna kind of give us a list. So let's read this. He goes, all right, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. And so if you're taking notes, I just, I wanna look at this and just see what we can do to bring in the wisdom in our lives and see some things that we can look at uh, that God can help us in. And so there are important things to see. And here's the first thing that, that I wanna do to see what happens. Here's the first thing is that the wise person will pursue a pure heart. So I want you to notice in this one as you're taking this down, that, that James goes, first of all, like you can't even go after any of these other things if you're not doing this one. So it's first of all pure, that, that the wise person will pursue holiness, purity, God's way. So, so he's saying, here, here's what he's saying, if you wanna write this down, here's what purity is. Purity is an attitude that says, I want what you want, God. That's what it is. Purity is an attitude that says, God, I want what you want. I wanna be like you in this situation. So create in me, a clean heart, it's an attitude that does that. So if we want wisdom, we have to go after holiness. Now, it doesn't mean we won't struggle. It doesn't mean uh, that there won't be challenges there. But again, the wise are just bent towards purity. I love the visual of this. This is Proverbs 18. It says, hey, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous or the holy or the pure at heart run to it and are safe. Did you catch the visual of that? Here, here's what I wanna say, man. See, the righteous don't stop at salvation. Here's the difference between wise Christians and everybody else. They, they don't stop. They don't walk towards God. They don't just wait till God comes in. They, they run after God and his ways. They run after holiness and they want to go after. You gotta catch it. See, they don't, they don't here's the thing. They don't see holiness like, okay, I guess I'll just do the right thing. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's not what they do. 
they run to it. Like, you know what the visual I get? Here's the visual I get with, with what I see the righteous doing God. When my kids get off the bus, man, I love that. I don't ever want that to go away where they just run after me and like knock me down with a hug. That's the visual that we need to see. That's what it's like They're, because they are convinced that they, they run. It's worth the run. It's worth the effort because it's what we need. It's what clears the way for the best life. And, and they're just convinced. So I, I wanna encourage you. I wanna get convinced, everybody. Get convinced that holiness is the way, that God's way is the way because I'm telling you, pursue holiness, wisdom will follow. Here's the second one, that the wise person loves peace. The wise person loves peace. We are getting more and more argumentative we're getting more differential, we're getting more contrarian, and I'm talking about even like in the church. We're just getting so, just bent out of shape and just, you know, but like, here's what I wanna tell you. You can't be wise and argue all the time. You can't, because the wise person loves peace. That's what he's saying. The wise person loves peace. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says. We gotta catch this. Pursue peace with all people. Everybody, everybody. And holiness, without it, uh, no one will see the Lord. So, so I thought about this, you know, if I start to think through the conflicts in my life, you know, and when I look at like every time that conflict turns into a fight, right, which isn't a whole lot, by the way, like on this list, I'm challenged by some, this one is not so much. I don't get into a lot of fights, but you know what I, you know what I know? In every fight that I've ever been in, there's one common denominator, me. Like I'm the common denominator. I could just remove myself from that whenever I want to, everybody. And so can you. Come on, somebody. That's what he's saying. Now, I'm not saying we get passive about everything. That's not what I'm saying. We get proactive in our faith. We, we speak our faith out there in a world that's not really living for God. But I'm just saying, don't, just don't hear me wrong on that. But in the name of peace, just don't let that be the first thing that we go after, which is argumentative. Don't let that be the first one that we almost like want peace first and then, and then whatever happens, happens. But maybe that can just avert some things, right? So don't, so we look at peace as the first resort. Again, if I just want wisdom from above, I'm gonna go after peace. Here's a third one. The wise person asks, what can I learn? What can I learn? James says that, that wisdom from above is considerate and submissive. So considerate. Somebody gave a definition that I loved when I was going through this. Here's what considerate means. You consider it. That's good. I like that. That preaches, right? Here, consider it means I will consider it, right? Wise people, here's what it means. Wise people don't think they, are, they, all, they always know. They don't think they always know about everything, right? They attempt to understand. Here's what it looks like. It, it means saying things like this. Help me understand instead of what's wrong with you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's different to say, help me understand why you made that decision instead of you bonehead, okay? Just stop and listen. Stop and listen to somebody's story. I was just talking about that to some friends that we had over uh, hanging out with them. I'm like, man, I think we're just, we're not listening to people's stories anymore. We've already, we've already decided what, the, what everything is. We are, I already decided what your truth is. You just need to go through my narrative. Man, just listen to somebody's story. You might learn something. So what can I learn? Here's, here's the next one. The wise person won't emphasize mistakes. Won't emphasize mistakes. So wisdom, James says, is full of mercy full of mercy. Mercy is having compassion. Mercy is considering kindness towards others. God, God calls us to be merciful. Just so you know, he calls us to be, I was reading some things about that and there was a Pope that said this. He said, wherever there are, think, just listen to this. Wherever there are Christians, everyone should find an oasis of mercy. I love that. 
Wherever there's a big group of Christians, there should be an oasis of mercy. So he's saying that people should find us different, that we should just be wanting to give it out, that we're happy to extend a hand of mercy anytime. James 2 says this. He says, this should change us, okay? Speak and act as those who are gonna be judged by the law that gives freedom because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who's not been merciful. Mercy triumphs judgment. Mercy triumphs judgment. This should, this should really change us there. So being full of mercy says this, everybody, just to challenge us, says, I will not hold a grudge on you. That's what mercy says. I will give you a second chance. That, that, that I will not emphasize mistakes, but I will, I will maximize opportunities for the relationship. That's what mercy do, does because that's what God has done for me. Here's a good question to ask in this one, especially in marriage or close relationships. Here's, just write this one down. What do I keep bringing up? Yeah, I know, I know. What do I keep bringing up? So we're full of mercy. Here's the fifth one. The wise person is authentic. The wise person is authentic. And so if we're in God's wisdom, this is, this is probably the hardest one I think for, for followers because like we won't hide. And, and here's why I think this is so hard because I think without really, we're not doing it on purpose, I don't think, but I think like we just feel like sometimes we have to put on a mask to be like, everything's fine, everything's good, glory be to God, hey, you, you know, and also with you, right? Like, I, I feel like that's almost indoctrinated to us, and, and man, that's just not what God is calling us to be. I, I, I just don't, because here's the thing, when we put on masks at certain times in our lives, it looks about as silly as it sounds to others. They know everybody, and they're like, is this fake, this thing that you have with God? Because I know, like, we all go through struggles, we, every, in Christ, we go through challenges. We go through struggles. And, and so I don't want to be, here's what, I don't, I don't want to be a church that encourages us to put on a face, to put on a mask, like just everything, nothing's on, no hurts me, no hangups over here, man. That's not genuine, that's fake. That's not, that's not who I want to be, man. So, so we have to go after authentic faith who, that faces our weaknesses, that, that doesn't actually hide away from them in a way that, here's why we do it, in a way to show that we don't have it all together, but we have a God who does. Anybody? We have a God who does have it all together. So I'm gonna lean in on him. I'm telling you, when we can get there, others are gonna see the difference. They're gonna see the difference and, and it'll change how people see Jesus. Let's finish this out here. Verse 18, James says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So here's how I wanna end. Here's a question. Why do this? Look at that list. I mean, it's not easy. So why go after God's wisdom? Why make the effort and sacrifice to pursue holiness and say no to things that, that, that may, might not be so bad or, or whatever? Why, why go after peace? Why, why, why like put my opinion on the back burner and listen to somebody's story? Why give second chances? Why not hold grudges? Why should we be marked by mercy and show our true selves? James tells you why. Here's why, everybody. Because there's a harvest coming and it comes for all of us, that we have a harvest. And he's saying, if you go after God's wisdom, if you do that, if you put through that effort, your harvest will be this, righteousness. Oh, I love that. You know that God wants you wise. 
He wants to give it to you. I hope you see that today. He's like, I want to give it to you so that when we go out in this world, that we're not living fake, we're living in God's wisdom, that we see these things about how we live and, and what we do and, and doing right and being good and being humble, that we see them. We live in a way where our response to the things that, by the way, affect all of us, that we do it in a way where people look at it and they have this, huh, that's kind of different. And it points them right to Jesus. Points them right. God wants that harvest in you. He wants that harvest in you. So I say we ask. Anybody? I just say we ask for God's wisdom. That's what we're gonna do. Solomon said, I want your wisdom. And you know what God said? Good. Here it is. Here's your wisdom. And we're gonna learn next week what Solomon does with it. But I just wanna stop today and I just wanna give us a chance to consider it. Again, it's a choice we make, but maybe we could just invite God's wisdom in on our lives. So let's, let's bow our heads, close our eyes. I don't have any like crazy prayer. I just wanna maybe allow us to invite that in. God, we come to you and man, I pray that we see your truth, your love, the disposition that we could have in this life, the wisdom that you wanna give to us. You're not holding it back. You wanna shower it on us so that we can live right, do good, walk in a way that shows others that I just love God, I love them. So right now, God, in this moment, I pray that we just give you a minute as we sit and pray that, that just to give anybody an opportunity out here just to invite in and ask, ask in our prayers, just to, God, I need your wisdom here in this one. I need help in this, this one on the, the list, God. So we just wanna give a moment to you, God. I'm blown away by what you want to give to me. I'm blown away by how much you love me and how much you want so badly for me to see what you can give and what you offer in the life that you bring. God, I pray that for all of us to see and consider and ask your wisdom. And we love you and we thank you so much. I hope this was an encouraging time for us to see what you have to say. In Jesus' name we all pray, amen. Amen. Man, I just pray today that you go out there and just look for God's wisdom and bring it into your life. And we'll see you next week.